Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Pennies Going In Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed in the following podcast are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide education and entertainment about the financial industry and the stock market. Enjoy! On this episode of Pennies Going In Raw, we talk about the crypto crash, stop losses, and much more. Find out life's this game of pennies. Oh, you guys know we only have a 40% runner. Hello? 40% is a fucking killing. We've been compliant for too long. It's time we go to war. I don't have a Roth. Q knows so much about the market that his brain doesn't have enough room for grammar. Hey, who told me about IDEX? It's going up a shit ton now. Rob, 4%, baby. No way. 4% fucking percent. You asked the exact same question with two words <laughs> different. It's like, fuck, man, I just got dick whipped for like... 20%, and now that f***er's up like 50. I bet Warren Buffett never did that. I'm just making this voice memo to call out unusual whales to a fight. The pennies we need are everywhere around us. Pennies. 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 Going in raw. Featuring Dan. Deity it dips. And Hugh Honey. Produced by Vinny. And Christian. Let's, Let's go, go, baby. Welcome back to another episode of Pennies Going in Raw. Today is Wednesday, January the 12th, and this is the first day of this week. Uh, well, yesterday on Tuesday was the first day of this week where we saw, you know, a little recovery. I mean, it seemed like all the small caps, all the, like the Fintwit plays, everything was kind of crashing. I mean, you saw everyone saying this is this is the day traders market. It's in exactly the swingers market. Saw a lot of people give up a little too soon, maybe, or maybe too late, and finally go kind of all cash, you know, that can be a, or what seemed maybe the very bottom. And then you also have Bitcoin going under 40K for the first time in forever and over the past weekend. Is it buy-in time or is it uh, all cash time? So the one thing I will say about the cryptos and Bitcoin is that we knew before that they made huge moves. Some years they would go up 300% and down 70%. Like it's it's nuts. It's just because Bitcoin <clears throat> hit 65,000. So a drawback of like 20,000 was more than Bitcoin was worth two years ago. And then the other part to this is that before it really felt like everybody was like, yeah, screw it. Like I'll buy one Bitcoin at a thousand. Screw it. You know, if you were a big baller, you were buying a Bitcoin at like 10,000. 
and it was a speculative investment. Now it really truly feels like people are like all in on this thing, like taking like like we've heard stories of <clears throat> people taking their whole IRAs, like their retirement accounts, and putting it into Bitcoin. Like it truly feels like it went from a speculative investment to like oh yeah, like like one of those things where like your barber tells you like oh yeah, this is a this is a sure thing, bro. Like it, this thing's gonna go to like a million. It's gonna take over the dollar. Yeah, the uh, fact and- that some of the most like high paying jobs being like some athletes and stuff are just going full. Yeah. Like I'm, I don't know if any NBA players have done it, but once you start seeing those sixty million dollar checks go in, those yearly salaries go in for a all NBA player, you know, <laughs> there'll be some big money in there, even more yeah. big money. Yeah, definitely. And the whole point is de- to decentralize. So is it really decentralizing when you're just having more whales essentially come in, even though it's not like three or four years ago where you had only big ass whales that were like billionaires, but it's effectively instead of like a thousand whales, you're just bringing in 10,000 smaller whales, you know, like, like it's so the whole point, the whole argument about decentralizing, it kind of becomes obsolete when you when you talk talk about people buying $50 million, $60 million worth. And then the other thing that we've really seen change over the last few years is, again, is that before, the whole point to this was that Bitcoin was supposed to basically be reverse of the dollar or be basically a uh, hedge to inflation. But SPY goes down and Bitcoin goes down. SPY goes up and Bitcoin goes up. Yeah, I, I see. Uh, I see some analysts calling for spy to retrace two to three hundred points within the next three four weeks. And uh, and when you ask them, hey, like, what's this mean for crypto? They're like, oh yeah, it definitely doesn't bode well for crypto. Then what the fuck is the point of crypto? Like, what the fuck is the point of Bitcoin if it's just going to track spy anyway? That that just makes it effectively a uh, financial vehicle that tracks spy just in a different kind of way, just with like a high beta. So I, I don't know. It, that's like the real difference that I've seen inside the past three or four years is again, is that people were panicking more on these dips. It like it was down 70%. People were like, oh, like three years ago, people were like, oh no, like buy the dip pussy. And now it's like Bitcoin's down what? From 65,000 to 40,000? Well, I, math is hard. What is that? Like a 30% like 35, dip? 40%. Yeah, 35, 40% dip. And people are like literally panicking in the streets. I mean, now and, and now you have billionaires who are coming out saying that they put half of their net worth into Bitcoin right here. Not when they could buy it three years ago for of a hundredth of the price, but right here at 40,000 of Bitcoin. Like that's wild. There's some of these billionaires who could lose literally like hundreds of millions of dollars. And at the end of the day, of course, nothing's a sure thing, but the argument that it's supposed to go inverse of the market and it's supposed to be hedge of inflation but then it's the same thing that tracks the market. Uh, it feels a little odd to me and a little different than the original scope of Bitcoin when I first heard about three, four years ago, five years ago. Oh, damn. You're a, you're a new guy to Bitcoin, dude. We were buying weed with it in, in like 2012 with it. I've, I, could, <laughs> I, was, I could be loaded right now. I was, dude, I was paying several Bitcoins for like 14 grams of weed. Wow. Yeah. Like I, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, I have, uh, I mean, I don't, but I know a a drug dealer who has like 5 million, uh, or allegedly 5 million, respectfully and allegedly, uh, like 5 million Bitcoin because of what you basically just said. 
I mean, I was in seventh grade, so I wasn't really buying weed. I mean, you know, now, now I buy weed all the time. I'm respect, you know, dude. That's dope. The, the, That's the hard. Weed, weed man. The you know, weed man. Weed boy. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. They call boy. me weed man. That's yeah, sick, but, dude. Uh, but back in 2012, you know, I was just getting into the game a little bit, you know? Oh, okay. I, I feel that. I went, to, I went to a private school. We got hair follicle drug tested in uh, high school. Are you serious? Yeah, it was wild. Not not something you'd expect. And as I grow older, I realize how wild that was. I was like, dude, even when I was on probation, we didn't have that. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. The fine gentleman of Alabama. Yeah. Look uh, at you now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, going on to stocks a little bit. You know, it seems like Monday was was a brutal beat down. I said like, uh, you know, it it seemed like that this was kind of like a make or break. It, it sucks it kind of all happened so fast on Monday. The people that, you know, and a lot of people were talking about going heavy cash, you know, towards the end of last week. Was uh were those kind of the smarter ones are they getting back in come Tuesday cuz it seems like a lot of these reverses are starting to happen. Or is it still kind of time to sit on the sidelines and watch what plays out? Yeah, I think I think in even if you're a swing trader or a day trader, I still think in terms like cash is definitely the safe position right now because although there's fall through in the market, it's totally chop city. I mean, I know like me personally, I give up half my day in like one or two plays, which never used to happen. That's just because it feels like a big grind to make any money. And it's really easy to lose money right now. So I think it's one of those things where you know it's still safe. It's still better to be a uh, to be a safer trader right now, and uh, and just you know treat it like how we usually treat August. I mean, there's some horror stories right now going on about uh, traders being wiped out. I mean, yeah, th- there this are- is the this is the worst month. Well, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I guess early April would be the worst one. But January is a terrible month to blow your account. You got taxes coming up and letting it affect your psyche. Like if you lose a good bit of your account going into December, okay, whatever, tax right off. Then January comes and you take another big hit. And you're like, dude, you're thinking about taxes. You're like, once once I pay my taxes, dude, I'm going to be even lower. And you're like, should I, can I even trade? And I now have to be careful. You know, it's like having five fouls in a basketball game. You, you have to play careful, but at the same time, you want to play hard and you want to make sure you're doing everything you can for your portfolio. But at the same time, if you slip up, you're not going to be able to pay your taxes. And it's a, it's a pickle to be in. It, it, see, that's, that's the thing about trading is that when, when times are good, times are good. 
And I don't want to say that we kind of talked about this, but I feel like when the market was pretty hot in October and November, we were we were kind of saying like, hey, we got to start preparing for the for the cold months now, uh, because when they come, they they will come and they and they will suck. And I feel like that's kind of where we're at. I mean, we are hearing tons of we knew that the other shoe was going to drop. I mean, we had 16 months of pure insanity in the market. I mean, pure insanity. And we hadn't really had like uh, like nobody was really tested. I, I don't want to say like like people weren't tested, but it felt like every single storm that we went through only lasted maximum six weeks. And they was like, oh, back to uh, back to making stupid gains and compounding the money. And we haven't really had a market. Yeah. And those those down periods don't feel so bad whenever the next week you're just making Free hell racks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so. So the other shoe was bound to drop. Uh, we really didn't know when it was going to be, but this is kind of what we're in. And, and now you're seeing it where it's like, you know, blow-ups after blow-ups. And so, listen, the biggest thing that I could say is that just use like 10% of your account right now. Try and make 10% of your, I mean, try and only use 10% of your account and just keep enough to like keep the lights on. This is not a compounding account market. And that's fine. Every month, you don't have to do 40% of your account. Yeah. No, I mean, you always got to wait and be patient for those times. And what you're seeing right now, I feel like it, it just seems like one of those times where if you're right, you're right. And but more of the time, it's just like you're making the wrong decision and they just add up, add up, add up. And those paper cuts eventually add up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know for me personally, like I, I've taken more than enough. And, and that's what I mean. It's that it's really it's been a grind to make any money recently. And it's been really freaking easy to lose something. I mean, like even even today, today's uh, Tuesday the 11th. I was in this ISIG. I was up like a good buck on it. And all of a sudden, it knifes like a dollar and a half on me. And I go from up a nice buck to like red. It's like, holy hell. Like, where the hell did that come from? I look on the tape. It's like a 7 million share dump into the bid. I'm like, where the hell did that come from? So it really feels like a grind to make money right now. And it really feels like uh, like it's super easy to lose money. And so tr- set that daily goal, set that daily goal. And and I know that I know that we talked like at the beginning of the year, like, you know, go after it. And I totally believe that you got to go after it. But that being said, like, let's not be freaking stupid. Yeah, you can't you can't chase your account value, your old max yeah. account value. Like, forget your account was ever at. 80k and accept that it's now at 65k and you're gonna have to take it slow don't try and get back to that number you were at just because it's gone like it's not exactly last year where there were just all these opportunities and it blows because having a good january is that beautiful beautiful like buffer that you need to kind of make the rest of the year not feel exactly like you know it's the worst ever um, and you, you, you know, you have taxes taken care of and you have this bigger account and you're able to go into the new year with just this ability to just, you know, Hey, I rock. Hey, I've got more buying power. Uh, I'm a better trader now. And I can just rack all that up. Instead, it's I have less buying power. I'm a terrible trader. And, um, yeah, the IRS, you know, may be arresting me for 20 years because I can't pay my taxes. Well, and that was the thing with la- So we had the insanity with COVID. And everything recovered plus some by the end of December. And then we went into January. And by, what, a week? Like in a week or so? 
started all the GME AMC madness for the for the two weeks in January and all of February. It was like fucking madness. I mean, everybody made their entire yearly goal in like a month. And then it was like, okay, even though the last like, let's even call it the last six months of the year sucked. It was like, oh, whatever. Like I made 600% on my account in February and January. And uh, and now I'm only up 300% on the year. Like if I only did that every year, like that'd be great. You know, like it's like, like that's that was like the mindset. Uh, when you take out those isolated months, I mean, I, I mean, I did okay. Like I know me personally, like I did okay. I, I didn't, I didn't kill it, kill it. And, uh, and I feel like that's probably a fair assumption to say that that's probably how everyone else kind of did as well. Yeah. I mean, having so many new traders in 2020 yeah. that, I mean, and it is by no means a joke to say tons of people 10 to 20,000 their percent off of their, you know, first year of trading in 2020, people put in like $5,000 and easily ended the year over a hundred grand off of what could have just been a few trades. You were having that, that chart that was like after a thousand dollars, all you need is 1100% plays to get to a million. Like thinking about that now, I'm like, okay, well, where the fuck are you finding 1100 percenters? Because we need to talk more. But like two years ago, that was, Dude, you you can alphabet soup it. You can just stir it up and be like, this one's probably going to rock. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally remember this podcast or not, not necessarily this podcast, but like our friend group alone, the ones that like we used to text and stuff, we were averaging in a thousand percent runner every five weeks for six months. Mm. Like that's wild. Like that's crazy. Now it's like something runs 30%. We're like, oh, shit. Fuck yeah. Dude, yeah and, and listen, 30%, 30% runner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, 30%. Oh, dude. Yeah. I mean, 30% in this is still economy? nothing. To, <laughs> in this economy. Yeah. 30% is nothing to like wag your tail at. I don't yeah, know if I'm saying that. Don't right. wag your tail at that. But it's crazy that, you know, we were, we were averaging a thousand percent runner every five weeks. Like a mad, like you could only, if, even if you only held it for 10% of the move. You did a hundred percent. Like that's crazy. And now we're seeing those same like I okay. So I looked at this one market PHIO. So PHIO is trading at a dollar, and the market cap's right around fourteen million. All right. Inside the last two years, that thing traded up to a hundred and fifty million dollar market cap. Now it's at a fourteen million dollar market cap. Like that's wild. Like the, it, it, yeah. you, but like this is just one of like a hundred. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you think about like some of the altering. I mean, we haven't talked about it in a while, but you know, with Bitcoin stocks that, or crypto stocks, Bitcoin stocks, some of those, you know, they were at eighteen. I think it was EQOS was at eighteen dollars when Bitcoin was just passing forty for the first time. Now Bitcoin's at forty, and EQOS is at a dollar eighty. You know, I mean, I remember one of my friends was saying, hey, yo, the uh, crypto plays may be time to buy. They may be bottomed out. And I bought it and up 20 percent today. You know, it's it's crazy. Like these Bitcoin plays are so low. Like there's just so many things to just it, like, fuck, it just feels like the time to load. And you and it's so easy to say that. But at the same time, it's like especially when you have something where you can be like, OK, I know this stock goes up with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is here. This stock was here when Bitcoin was here. Why is it at 10% of the price? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, you're right. And and okay. So just to, I remember complaining about the pod. I mean, on the podcast uh, inside the summer about GEVO being a three billion dollar market cap. It's now sub a billion dollar market cap. Like this, this is nuts. Like this thing was trading at a. I mean, it's just wild. This thing was trading at fifteen, almost sixteen bucks. Now it's at four, and it's a sub billion dollar market cap. Now GEVO should be a sub billion dollar market cap. I can say that with confidence, but. It's just crazy that some of these things were just being killed. I mean, uh, I mean, to the point to where, like, if we if we had a backed investor, you and I, PGIR, the LLC, could buy P PHIL. Like that's 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 the type of like beatdown that some of these stocks have gotten. Is is that like the podcast with with a backed financer? Could buy, could hostile take over some of these companies. So if you guys think we should buy a SPAC, make sure to let us know in the comments and like, smash that like, subscribe. No, but uh, no, it is wild to think about some of these stocks that everyone used to be on. It's like, mine now. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. No, yeah, but kind of as we go into our next segment uh, on stop losses, because I mean, it is key to avoiding holding these from the 18 to the dollar 80 or you know all these downtrends a lot of times we talk about stop losses in a sense that you know hey you know have them mentally and sell them when they get there but you know it's it's tough it's easier said than done i mean there's so many times you see it get to your stop loss i'll let it go a little bit lower how much lower could it go how much lower could it go and then it, you just don't want to find yourself selling and then it goes up but in this market, you kind of have to force yourself to have discipline because, I mean, these downtrends are serious. These bloodbaths are real. Uh, so what, what do you kind of recommend for setting stop losses uh, for, I guess, swinger hopefuls, you know, ones that are hoping for the bottom, maybe, you know, day traders that don't want to get a seven million share sell on like you or, you know, all, all the in between. Uh, so I'll break this up into three different subsections. One being the day trader, the second one being the swing trader, and the third being the short seller. Because the third, I think, is the most unique, and I think it's also very different than the first two. So with a day trader, I think it's super important that you pull up the daily... First two things. One, the relative volume. So when you're looking at it 30 minutes before market open, what's the relative volume at in comparison to most days? Like if it's already trading double what the average volume is and it's up like 30%, that's a pretty good, like that That one has a chance to really make some moves during the day, especially if it's like a smaller flow. Uh, but the biggest thing is that you're going to have to look on the yearly, on the one day 
or what is it? The one year, one day chart and find out where those support and resistance points are. Because a lot of times what we're seeing is, is, that, is that these stocks are making a retracement back to, I don't want to say red, but a pretty bit, like they'll go up 100% and then they'll only end the day up 30%. So the moves are happening, but we're not seeing those big ass squeeze outs where it's like one move at 930, another move at 10, another move at 11, another move at one. Like that's not, that's not what's happening. It's, it's usually like a pop, maybe two pops, maybe three max. And then it's like an all day fader. So first off, what you want to find is that where's that biggest resistance point? And then what you're going to do is, is that, you know, you have to keep it in mind. And this is one of those things where, where I try and like, like it's, it's not, it's, it's a common sense thing after you get it, but it's like not the easiest thing to get. Like, I'm going to say this out loud and it's going to be like, yeah, no shit, Hugh. But in the moment, it doesn't feel that simple. If you see the VWAP, then and it doesn't matter what indicators you use, the 9 EMA, the 20 EMA, VWAP, any of that, the fuck, the 200-day moving average. If all of that is starting to, if the price is starting to severely uh, deviate from those moving averages, just know at some point, they're going to catch up, whether it be from the from the short side. So, you know, let's say the price is like 10% below the view up or from the long side. Okay. It's one of those things where if things really start to deviate away from the moving averages, that's not a bad time to take some off. It doesn't even need to be like, oh, like my my price target is 18. It's at 17.95. Let me wait till 18. No, it's one of those things where like if you just see the price kind of running away from those VWAPs, I mean, the VWAP, you know, the moving averages, especially the smaller timeframes, take some off. Just take some off. I promise you at some point, the price is going to retrace back to those levels. And most of the time, it gives you an opportunity to load up maybe half of what you sold and churn around and uh, trade around the core a little bit. So that's super important. And then also the other thing is that is that you're going to want those key levels. So as we talked about talk about a lot is that the more times that something tests a key level, it's going to break it, whether that be support or resistance. So if it comes up to the resistance point and it first time, you know, breaks breaks back down. Second time breaks back down. The third or fourth time, if it gets back up there, it's probably going to break out. Now on the flip side, okay? If it gets all the way back down to support and it's you know test support once test support twice test support three times the fourth time it probably breaks down so that's where you really got to get like like even though I'm not like a huge huge believer in like technical analysis end all be all that's one of those times where if you can create if, if the stock's creating higher lows and even if it's not necessarily breaking out of that resistance if it's creating higher lows it will eventually break that wedge to the upside and give a really nice pop. So it's one of those things where, where you, know, you, you find out the key levels, you see what the trend is doing, especially on those bigger time frames, like the five minute, the 15 minute candles, that's where you can get an overall trend view. And then uh, for swing traders, the biggest important thing, especially because I feel like a lot of people are looking for those bottom beatdowns, is that if you want to be a swing trader with bottom beatdowns, it has to be where like, you start in super small, yeah. You know, I'm talking like one percent of your account, and then just keep the just keep your stop loss at like the 52 week low or whatever. 
So if you're buying it like uh, let's call it like a dollar and the 50 and you feel like it's starting to curl back up and the, the 52 week low is 90 cents or whatever. Fine, you lose 10 cents a share. You have a thousand shares, fine. You know, like that that's no big deal. That's a that's a haircut. But if it starts to actually confirm back up when it breaks out of that downtrend and then it comes back down and retests it because it always dips and retests, that's your scale in spot. But you don't want to get into one of those things where it's like, you're like, oh shit, like I'm having FOMO because now it's 10 cents from the low and then you buy and then the market goes down 3% a week and now it's at like 85 cents and you just got smoked. So, and and all that little like pop was, was just shorts covering on a bigger, on, on the larger time frame. You know, like that's, that, that's one of those like sticky messes. So just keep it underneath like on the close of the day. So that means that if the stock closes below the 52 week low, you just take your gains. For the short side, now, this is in my experience, and this is how I handle it, but uh, this isn't obviously going to be for everybody. When I'm short something, I have an overall conviction inside the trade. So Ford last week, Ford was up like 12% the day before, and, or, to, or maybe even that day. And so I had an overall conviction that it was going to take a dip at some point in the day. So when I felt like it was creating that exhaustion move, what I was starting to do was, was that I was just starting to get in there, you know, like a thousand shares short here, a thousand short shares short here, um, you know, just kind of waiting for that key level being that support zone to break down. And so what I would do is that I would just kind of put on like a thousand shares short, thousand shares short, thousand shares short. And then when it broke down, I think it was like 20, 2450 or something. When it broke down underneath 24.50 and then retested it, but instead, you know, as we know, support becomes resistance and it broke down again, that's where I scaled in. So on the short side, I have a lot more conviction, but I don't scale into the trade until it's confirmed. So that's the way that I like to handle it. Now, if it, now I, I had given that room to go to 27. So I was okay if Ford went to 27 because again, I wasn't going to scale in until it had proven that top was in. So my biggest loss would have been like, you know, maybe three or four grand, something like that, maybe five or maybe five or six max, let's call it. And so when I'm sure it's the overall conviction of the trade, because I feel like the price is already is, is already up so much and at some point it's gonna break down. And most of the time that comes from what we just talked about from the long side as a day trader is that it's moved so far away from the technicals that I feel like there's no way they should be trading up here. So that's usually how the short side works for me. That's in my experience. Uh, doesn't usually mean that's going to work for everybody. But uh, that's the way that I like to do it. Now, the short side obviously is a little bit more dangerous because if Ford have gone to like 100, I, I would obviously be, be out a, a good amount of money. But that's where you know you keep that stop loss at 27. So I had a super small starter in I had that stop loss at 27, but I had the overall conviction on the trade. So that, that's where like the difference is from like the long side to the short side. The long side, you're anticipating a move up, which is a little bit more tricky, especially when it's already up so much. And the short side, you're anticipating a move down after it's already up so much. So it, they're similar trades. It's just kind of like if you come to a fork in the road, but the, but the road is... Uh, is basically the stock being up 30%. And so when I'm short, it's like, I understand that it could go left, but 
Yeah, usually the left lane's faster, but sometimes you get in the left lane, there's always a fucking jackass in front of you. So yeah, you, you know get what? That's in the good. right lane, like and then that guy's slow. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that's that's the overall I'm trying to say is that the short side, it's more of like a big picture conviction trade where the long side, it's more like, hey, this is creating higher lows. I feel like it's gonna it can make a quick pop. I'm going to try and make five, six, seven, ten percent especially because on small caps, I don't really trust them from the long side, especially inside the market that we're in. So it's one of those things where like, I want to make a quick five, 6% on a key level break to the upside and call it a day and then cycle my shares out. All right, well, that'll about wrap us up for today. I would like to congratulate you on your Georgia Bulldogs winning their first championship in over 41 years. <laughs> Go dogs! So, um, big win for you. So, congratulations to all of our dog fans out there. And uh, sorry to all of our Crimson Tide fans out there. As an Auburn fan, I hate both next of them. Year. Well, they win like every other year. So, I mean, it's like, what? That's all right. The tide has turned. All we needed was one. The That's all we need. There's your, there's your pun of the day. All right, guys. All right, um, guys. For Godal. <laughs> everyone have a great rest of your week, and let's see a lot of green. Take care, boys and girls. Penny's Going in Raw is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.